Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, the Sales World channel, the NBC network, iHealth Radio, and again, the whole, the whole shebang here with your host, the one and the only Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic. I have a guest with me that's going to blow your minds today, folks. Um, as you can see, today is about sales and business, but it's really about that. That's the channel that we use more for motivation. And uh, the Fitness Fab also is one of the channels that we use and we push some of the content to. But today I have with me an author of a book. Uh, that probably can change your mind, change your life, change your whole look at life, and and maybe guide you to a whole new way of success at your own pace. So, so again, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to leave our you know author to actually discuss that with us. So I have with me uh, David Edwards, uh, and and the book is just uh, a simple title, but a very powerful one. So, knew you? Who knew? David, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, so David, um, you know, obviously you're an author today, but it took you a journey to get to that level or to get to that point. And throughout your life, I've read about your biography and, and, and the things that you've gone through and the work you've done. And I think it all kind of, you know, combined experience that got you to this, this point where you decided to put this together for the world out there. But, but you're really, really looking at, you know, the common uh, average person who is trying to, to, to live a life and, and maybe just in, in a pickle, in, in the middle, may not able to actually get forward or whatever the case may be. Your concepts, the core concepts of personal motivation are all in this book. So let's talk about your journey and how we get to that point. You bet. So I, as you know, I've worked in healthcare in a number of different roles over the last 35 years or so, um, working with lots of different populations. And, you know, in healthcare, we talk about populations. And, um, and so I've, I've worked with elderly, young, the young uh, people in the, in the middle, people having babies. Um, you had a wonderful guest on the other day talking about menopause, right? So we're going through these different phases and stages of life. And, and so we're all in a different place. And, and I've really enjoyed working with people uh, mostly on the West Coast of the United States, um, but I work specifically in Nigeria, working with uh, African uh, folks from this area called Ibadan. Totally, totally an aside, but I was on a podcast the other day with a young man who's a computer programmer who lives in Germany, <laughs> who's from Ibadan, <laughs> where I had worked in Nigeria, wow. which was like, what are the odds of that? But it's a small world. <laughs> but anyways, I worked over there, commissioning a hospital. I've worked in primary care. I've worked in cardiology for about a decade. I've done a lot of different things. Um, I loved working with Native Americans and tribal health up in Alaska. Um, but the last 10 years or so, um, I've really focused on integrated primary care. Hmm. And so the idea is that you were born, like everybody listening and everybody watching, as a whole person, right? The head, the mouth, the shoulders, the body, the heart, the lungs, everything was connected. If it wasn't, you know, that was a real problem because we're born whole, yes. right? And so we thought it's just the way healthcare has evolved. So I, went into graduate school and got a master's in healthcare administration. And in the process, you know, we learned about kind of the history or the evolution of medicine in the West. And really it's this 
this kind of history coming from guilds. So like the first surgeons going back into the late 1800s were in the barber's union because <laughs> they both involved sterilizing instruments. <laughs> and, you know, and the dentists had a chance to kind of join with the physicians and the physicians said, nah, we don't want you guys. You guys are all hacks. And so they went their own route, right? And it's just these kind of artifacts of history. We went through this kind of political, economic, and really this guild-based model of reductionism. We're going to reduce you down into your component parts and then specialize in those little parts. And that's just the way healthcare in the West has evolved. And so, you know, if you're a guy my age, you might go to primary care, but they're probably in internal medicine. You might go to a cardiologist if that's a concern. You might have some oncology concerns, right? So you cancer, that kind of stuff. You might see an otolaryngologist or a gastroenterologist, you know, or, you know, you go down the line and there's this long list of specialists who look at a little tiny part of you. But what we thought was at a primary care level, where can we most be impactful? You know, where can we have the most influence? And it's really in looking at and serving you as a whole person. Because even though the health system is broken and fractured in this way, crazy way, you are still a whole person. And if we can help you as a whole person, what we're going to do is eliminate a lot of the issues that might come down that you need to see an IST for. <laughs> you know, we'll put whatever, you know, set of characters before the IST, and you could avoid a lot of that, most of that, perhaps, if you could help you take care of yourself as a whole person. Mental, physical, oral health, right? All of these things combined. And so we had developed a program at my last job. I was a CEO of a rural community health center. So we served a lot of migrant seasonal farm workers and a lot of lower income folks and some rich people too. And, uh, you know, the orchardists did pretty well for the most part. And, uh, and so we served, you know, this cadre of folks. And when I got there, we were struggling with quality and we struggled with money and we struggled in a lot of different ways. But after about four years, we were very stable financially. We um, had improved our quality from intermittent and generally low to the highest in our region. So we had the best quality of any hospital-based or private practice medical providers, you know, in primary care. Um, we had the best dental practice. We had the best mental health practice. Um, and again, oriented around you as a whole person. Um, and so we had gotten to the point where I'd outgrown an office and I got moved into a closet. And then I moved out of my closet so we could put three dentists in there as their office. And, you know, I got kicked <laughs> out to the curb, basically. And so we were at the point where we desperately needed a new building. We'd opened a school-based health center and another health center. But, you know, this our main original health center, we just needed a new one. And we were fortunate to have some land. And we started designing and planning and then building this new health center built around this idea that had created these wonderful outcomes. And that had, for example, eliminated any disparities in health outcomes between our minority and majority populations. There's no difference um, in those health outcomes in mental health and physical health. And so we had done a lot of really good things. And it wasn't me, obviously, I'm 
one person. It was the other 170 people that were making this happen. Mm -hmm. And, and so we're building this building and we're thinking, you know, about design and things like biophilic design, where you bring nature into your building to create this ah, relaxing atmosphere. So as you walk in the door, you overcome what we call the white coat syndrome without even thinking about it, right? We wanted this to be at a subconscious level. Um, we had great people. I mean, it's amazing staff. We had this wonderful whole person model where you were expected to be the captain of the care team, right? And you might only come in and see the dentist or the hygienist, you know, every six months. You might see your primary care once a year. You might be coming in every other week, right, for something. It just depends on what your needs are. And everything from, you know, minor surgery to Zumba classes and everything in between. Um, and so we flexed it around you, not what we wanted to do or where we made the most money. It was really set up around what do you need and how do we help you with that? But we realized that no matter how often you come by, most of your life, you got to live on your own. You've got your family, you've got your work, you've got your hobbies, you've got your spiritual life, you've got all these aspects, these various domains, and you got to be in charge because you're going to be successful or not with your life based upon mostly what happens outside the clinic. Even though we were proud of our clinic and what we had done, we knew that that wasn't about us. It was about you as the patient. And so we were in this design process and we started building and I had this first epiphany. I thought, well, it's all this cool stuff. This is really exciting what we're doing. Um, <laughs> and I realized, oh, wait a minute. We've got the computer stuff, we've got the building stuff, we've got the people stuff, we've got the kind of operations stuff, you know, all these things in a business you got to think about. And then I realized, excuse me, unless we can help the patient elevate their skill set, elevate their capacity to be the captain we're going to vastly limit our effectiveness. And that was the goal was to be more effective, right? And so I've been working in healthcare for over 30 years. And, and I had to start asking people, what, what does this mean? You know, what are the skills? What is this all about? And I had this wonderful multidisciplinary team to talk to and ask the question and start, start some dialogue. And, and it became clear that at the nut, at the core of this, it was about change, right? can we be the captain of change in our own life? And so I started studying change models because that's you kind, of, you kind of get let down the, the yellow brick road here, so to speak. And, and so, okay, well, what are the change models? So I talked to my therapist friends, you know, and they said, well, there's this change model, the chance theoretical model of change, and there's this change. And, and it's human beings, right? So what's, one thing that's consistent with human beings is that we're not consistent and everybody's got their own idea. So I was a finance guy for a lot of years. And so I built a spreadsheet and I said, well, what does this guy's change model look like? And what does the next one and the next one? And when I put it all on the spreadsheet, something became obvious at the very foundation, the very first stage of every change model is this idea of personal or intrinsic motivation. So if we want to be the captain of our care team, and by extension, the captain of our life, if we want to be in charge of the change that's going on around us and within us, probably most importantly within us, then we have to understand 
about personal motivation. Now, there's lots of kinds of motivation, right? In business, I've mostly thought about motivation as how do I pull a lever to get my people to do what I want them to do? And it's a little crass sounding, but you know that's kind of how business looks at things. This is more fundamental. This is more like, why do I get up in the morning? If I go to work, do I like my work? Do I not like my work? Well, why is that, right? This kind of level of motivation comes from inside. And there's strength and weakness to that, right? Strength is that we control it, right? This is something that we can influence. And the weakness, of course, is that it's really hard because we often get really reliant on having outside motivation. So you worked in sales for a lot, that sounds like. And so you guys probably had serious external motivation, like make your numbers this quarter, right? It's all about the numbers and sales. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Digits. Yeah. And so. Well, although I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that 100% and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And so there is external motivation. And some of it's very blatant and obvious, and some of it's a little subtle. You know, what does my spouse <laughs> want me to do? And how are they influencing my motivation or your kids or your friends or, you know, whatever. And so there's lots of external. The key to that, managing this external, right, which we need to keep up with, which is there, which is legitimate, right? This, it's not bad or anything, is that we have to understand enough about ourselves to know what am I going to let in and what am I going to brush off? I don't know if you remember, but uh, Ronald Reagan was the president, the first president I ever voted for. <laughs> it was a long time ago, in the 1980s. And he was often called the Teflon man because stuff just bounced off of him. <laughs> and so we got to kind of learn to be, you know, what are we going to let in? What's going to be a positive influence for us or what's consistent with our own belief and values and priorities um, and what's not, right? And so what are we going to then let bounce off? And so there's, there's power, and that comes all from understanding ourselves and understanding these principles of intrinsic motivation. So, so then, of course, walking down this yellow brick road a little bit further was, well, I understand motivation, I think, right? And a lot of people have written books. I had several in my bookshelf um, about motivation but not this kind of motivation. So I had to open a whole different set of books and did a ton of research over a couple of years to really understand what this nut is. You know, how do I understand this? How do I understand the principles of it? And how do I understand the T's, the three D's I call them, the tips, the tricks, and the tactics. Um, and so it's like, you know, they're both valuable, but my sense is that most of what we have that we see out on the internet and puts on YouTube is how do I do this, right? How do I manage this condition? How do I accomplish this goal? How do I fix the toaster? You know, how do I do a <laughs> podcast? You know, whatever it is, right? There's a lot of how-to out there. But how-tos, you know, tips, tricks, and hacks, techniques, these things are kind of hollow without purpose, right without that internal motivation mm -hmm. because as these change models describe knowing how to do stuff is essential but inadequate i also have to want to do it right and then it helps to understand why do i want to do it so there's three general areas there's three kind of um buckets if you will and then 10 principles the three areas are my values i'm trying to get away from a mechanical metaphor 
because we're human beings, we're a part of nature. I, I'll use a cherry tree since I worked with so many orchardists and orchard workers for years. And so you think of a cherry tree, like everything in nature starts small. As human beings, we're really wise to start small. That book, Atomic Habits, right, is all about starting small, making small changes, doing little things that accumulate over time. And that's consistent with how nature operates. So you start small, we're a seed, we germinate, we start to grow roots. That's the first thing that happens. So we need to start building these roots. And that's really, for most of us, begins in our values. But the research tells us that 80% of us have never gone through the effort to actually make our core personal values explicit. So there's three key words in there besides values. Core, right? Not my 27 things that I think are important. (laughs) I suggest five. So what are my five top core values? And then how do I make them explicit? Right? And so the way you do that, that I recommend you do that, I think the research supports it, is that you list out your values. And my book, the first chapter is all about values. And it's a very simple process to, and I, you know, walk you through that basically, to say, these are my top five values, which is great. Now you need to make them explicit. So the first thing you do is you define it. So for me, for example, transparency is one of my core personal values. So I define that as I don't have a hidden agenda. When I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to your business partner or your competitor, I'm not telling different stories to different people. If I'm working on a team, I'm not manipulating the boss, my coworkers, and my staff in different ways, right? I'm a pretty transparent, open book. I like that. I like working with people like that. And so that's how I defined it for me. And then I sat down and I said, well, that's nice. What does it look like, right? So I don't tell multiple stories. I tell the same story to everybody. Now, you might have to, you know, I can say this. You have to, you have to meet the needs of your audience. So if I'm talking to the board, I might structure my information a little different. But it's the same story. And I'm talking to a leadership team, right? It's a different level of information. I'm talking to staff, but it's the same story. So if you talk to the staff and you talk to the board, say Dave did a presentation, they'd say, well, he went into more detail or less detail, but it's the same story. They could tell, they could see that. And so they know when they're talking to me, that's what Dave is. And he's not trying to manipulate me. He's got some hidden agenda. You know, he's talking about values, but he's really talking about how do I make more money for the owners or something, right? It's very transparent. So for that, so you define it much more succinctly than I just did. I literally broke it down to a sentence or two, and I think that's very adequate. Once you've defined it, then you say, what does it look like? You know, what is my behavior regarding this goal? So how does it be, how does it influence how I write, what I report to do, the stories I tell, um, how I interact with people? Um, if you see me at home, if you see me at church, if you see me in the mall, if you see me at the office, I'm the same person, right? I mean, there's no pervert off the work and, you know, saint at the work or whatever. It's just, this, I'm just me. <laughs> so anyways, that's kind of what it looks like. It's my behavior. And then finally, so what? Why does it matter? Why is my life better for having this value and behaving in this way, right? And so... People trust me 
because I'm trustworthy, right? And I had, you know, trustworthy was one of those values I kind of circled, but I realized that if I'm transparent, I'm going to be trustworthy as well, right? And so this is part of the process as you kind of go through values, so have things that look kind of similar, then you start understanding them and say, I think this one maybe takes precedence. Or like if I, one of the things I suggest you do is you say, so in the worst case scenarios in my life depended on it, which one of these two, you know, would I stick to the most closely? Um, anyways, so we go through these three simple steps. It's relatively simple. The whole process maybe takes a couple of hours. Anybody can do this. And what was beautiful to me as I researched this more and more was that through all of these 10 principles, the first being the values, and I talk about it the most usually because it's the foundation, right? This is the roots. This is what feeds the trunk. Now, the trunk is what's called self-efficacy. This is, as Dr. Albert Bandura describes, this is the exercise of control. I'm a Christian man. I have a lot of friends who are Christians. You don't have to be Christian, though. These principles are universal, whatever your faith or background is. Um, but this idea of self-efficacy, um, I was thinking, I was talking to some Christian friends. I said, I have friends who have like given themselves to Jesus. And I said, you can't even control what you do in the morning. <laughs> you can't control what you bring into your body. You can't control what you say to people. So what are you offering him? If you've given yourself to him, but you have no control, right? You've offered him nothing. I mean, and so anyways, uh, so we think about this. If we want to have any kind of outcomes in our life, we have to exercise some control over it. And so the next six principles are actually about self-efficacy, this idea of how do I exercise control? You might think of it as how do I get things done? But then belief is right in the middle. This idea of belief. So think of it like a framework, like a tent. So you've got a tent, you've got a sack, <laughs> which has no shape, and it doesn't do you very much good. But you put a framework in it, and it holds everything up. It allows you freedom to operate. It supports you, right? Um, it adds value to you. And so our belief is the sense of, you know, what do I think I can do? What do I think is impossible to me? And one brief way I kind of describe the chapter is, if you believe you can do something, there's no guarantees, right? But the odds are with you. If you don't believe something, you won't even start. So the outcome is virtually guaranteed, right? So belief is that fundamentally important. And then the last section, there's this kind of third area, is what's called the principles of self-compassion. This idea that I'm not just a get-or-doneer guy, Right? I'm a human being. I'm a part of our common humanity. And if I treat myself with self-compassion, with self-kindness, I actually elevate my capacity to solve my problems and to accomplish my goals. And if I tend to beat myself up, I'm mean to myself, I tend to then actually decrease my capacity to do the very things that I beat myself up about. Right. So these three frames, if you will, our values, efficacy, and self-compassion are the three areas. And within those, there's 10 principles. The combination of them creates a human being who has this foundation of values, 
that are my own personal core values that has the capacity to exercise control over myself to get the things done that I want to do that are important to me, which contributes to meaning in my life and well-being and focus and clarity, avoiding apathy and languishment. And it helps me be connected to other people in balance. And these are just foundations. There's advanced, you know, ways to do all of these things. And there's other books that talk about, you know, advanced ways to get things done or to have self-compassion or to et cetera, et cetera. But what this book did, because I looked for it and I couldn't find it, which doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I couldn't find it, was it puts all of these foundations in very simple language for everyday people. So it doesn't matter what your education level is, what your work background is, what your gender is, what your race is, what your, anything else, any kind of external ways that we identify and describe and label ourselves, it doesn't matter. None of those things matter because these principles are universal to the human condition. So you could be in Nigeria where I worked, you could be in Europe where I worked, the United States, Canada, South America, Asia, doesn't matter. These apply and are universal, like love, and kindness and honesty, right? These things apply to us everywhere, no matter what our religion, you know, whatever our upbringing is, they're universal. And that was, to me, the beautiful thing, because that means anybody can benefit from it, no matter who it is, right? There's no exclusions here. There's no limitations. <laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> I, I am. I, I didn't want to stop you. We were just, just, just right there, going, you know, deep, and and it was perfect. And, uh, uh, but I was just absorbing a lot of it. And first thing, I want to just really salute you here, and I want to say something very, very deep here about you. Uh, you know, I introduced you as the author, uh, and and I, I did not talk about your background. And uh, you are very humble. And, uh, you know, that is a quality that you don't see a lot, you know, sometimes. Uh, you you briefly, you know, shared who you were in terms of your, bad, you know, your past experiences as being the CEO of a healthcare system and, you know, and building all that success. And, you know, I work with, 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 with health, you know, care, you know, institutions, and I know the value that you bring and, and, and what was your worth in, in terms of the industry and the healthcare, you know, force. Uh, so, so I want to thank you, you know, for being who you are and, and just, just being that humble. And I think that being you was definitely the first, you know, thing that actually led you to this because that character that you own, uh, that personality is unique and, and, and it's always thriving to give and, and share value with others. And I just wanted to say that first, just, just for the audiences, I mean, uh, you probably been to healthcare centers and stuff and there are healthcare centers where, you know, the CEOs you can't even talk to and they're different. And sometimes it's very difficult to even have a, a discussion of whether your staff or patient. And and what I loved also about what you said is that throughout your career, you focus on the integrative, you know, or the integrated, you know, models of care and, and you shared it. And the, the whole thing was to, to develop something where the patients become their own captains and leading, you know, the, the way you would, you know, uh, provide the care for them. And, and that is, that is a system that sometimes has been lost in, in the larger scale. Uh, some community places, you know, they still kind of work that way in the community aspect and understand the community well, they work with them. To your point, you can do all the stuff, you can educate everybody about, you know, how you can use the system, but if they can change themselves, 
to understand how they operate themselves. It's going to be always a clash. They may not use it to the, to the optimum level. So, so I just wanted to cover that based on, on, on your first introduction. Um, and you've touched on, I mean, some, some powerful stuff. First of all, love the universal, the universal concept that you share in, in your book. And yeah, you're right. There's plenty of motivational book and books rather. And, but, but you've kind of put a, a nice little concentration of, of the key things that anyone would actually thrive with and can't change their life, you know, drastically, you know, from whatever they are to a better self. And, and, you know, again, you mentioned religion, everybody has different values within their religion realm. A lot of it is very similar. Uh, society has different things that we gain, you know, from it. But, but one thing you mentioned powerful is that the example of the cherry tree <laughs> or any tree for that matter. I mean, any, anything, any seed, you know, that you plant, you know, it takes time to nourish itself and nurture and, and really grow slowly or truly, and then become fruitful and ultimately give to, to the world. And, and I love it because it, you, you said it, we talked about the orchards and stuff. And so you, you are, you, you give a, a concept that is very dear and close to your, to your, I guess, environment, but, but really it is, it is a powerful you know thing because to your point, as humans, we are exactly just a seed and, and in society we can be planted correctly and we can plant ourselves correctly and, and and nurture ourselves properly to grow to be something or somebody that can be contributing well to the to society first to us an immediate environment and of course to society if we can and, and that there's nothing uh so so the and and you talked about those core values first right uh i don't believe when if someone does not live with values it's a mess it's unfortunate but it's a mess uh, values are, are core to what we do and how we operate. I mean, if you don't have value, how do you treat people? How do you work with people? You have no moral compass, right? Those give you those kind of like concepts. Then you talked about like being like a trunk, right? Solid, right? That's that you have to be, a, you know, the efficacy has to be there. Then you talked about just the the self-talk or the being the, the, with, within the inner stuff. So these are like things that uh, we we hear about sometimes, but it's one thing to hear something and one thing to apply something. And what I love also about your book and what you said is that this is for everybody, right? I said about the universal concept. Uh, it, to your point, you're right. These are things that can be shared across the board. doesn't matter. Everyone is listening, watching, and more, even if not, they are looking to improve their lives. I mean, unless they really have some sort of a bad wish, you know, but I don't think anyone really grows up with like, I don't want to live happy or have a successful life circumstances happen where things become difficult, but at any given moment, people can change that. Uh, and unfortunately, some people are caught up in, into it and they feel that there's no end in, in, in sight, but there is always an end in sight. You can always restart fresh day. Every new day we wake up, it's just a beautiful day. You know, another, it's, it's a great day. The past is past, can't do nothing about it, but we can start a new leaf, a new page, right? And, and that's, that's, that's a concept that, that people are now getting more. I mean, it's not now only. I mean, people have you know, yeah. been, been working with that concept. But, but now with social media, with podcasts, with more, there is more of this. More of your work is being shared with the public. People had to literally go look for these things. But to look for something, you have to be intentionally looking for. <laughs> you exactly. have to make the effort to. So, but here, people can stumble on this and, and really get. Now, these days with TikToks and Instagram and posts, People can just come to maybe a reel of our show. Oh, I love that. And then they go into the show, right? And they listen to yeah. it or another. And then it leads to another. I get these feeds every day personally. And great, you know, worldwide, you know, audiences, worldwide, you know, speakers and, and, and leaders that, that pop up on my screen. And I just take that stuff and absorb it. So it's powerful stuff. Uh, 
but you really like you did, you did a uh, a full concert, you know, like there's juicers. Yeah. <laughs> you took all the core stuff and you gave us all the you, you <laughs> didn't you didn't leave anything out. So everything is there. It's concentrated. You take it, that's that it's like a pill. You you just have to doze off on it and that's it. You're good. <laughs> You'll be set for life. <laughs> I love this what you're talking about because we're all in a different place. We live in a world that seems to, I hate to say thrive, but it uh, is obsessed with comparison. So for, if you can see my hand, see if I can get this straight. Some people start life uh, up here. Mm. Some people start life way down here. Mm. Some people are right in the middle. And somebody else is, you know, anywhere is in between this continuum. Mm. The beautiful thing about these principles, and they are principles, right, is that it doesn't make any difference where you are on this ladder, if you will, right? If you're one of Donald Trump's kids, you know, and you started off, you know, with a Lamborghini for Christmas or something, whatever ridiculous things they did. Um, or if you're starting down here, you, I was on a podcast with some young fellows from the Bronx the other day. Mm-hmm. Very uh, rough beginnings, I guess I would say. Very nominal beginnings, if you will. So maybe it gets they started down here. Anywhere in between, you know, wherever you are in your life, it doesn't matter. And that's the beautiful thing about it, because you know what? It simply is. It exists. It's frankly mostly in the past. And so it is. And so if you look at it from that point, from that kind of perspective, wherever you are, don't be too discouraged about it, right? Because if you have a lot fewer resources and maybe you've had a lower trauma and, you know, difficulties in your life, you still have today that you have this moment. And wherever you're at, what you can decide is, I want to have some upward trajectory in my life. That's the key. Because somebody who starts way up here and just rides, takes it you know, for granted, mm-hmm. the person who starts down here and has upward trajectory, if they live long enough, you know, they're going to pass that person. It's the only thing that we have is today, this moment, right? And so it's me, me making a decision. You know, you're talking about intent, which is the fourth principle, by the way. Um, you know, <laughs> intent, intentionality is what gives us a little bit of upward trajectory. And again, if you're starting down low, you know, and you're thinking, you know, it may be that I want to have enough groceries to feel like I'm comfortable feeding my family this week, right? Now, I might be where your upward trajectory would take you. Know, that would be an improvement in your life. Then that's fantastic. That's where you start because it's consistent with your values that you've now made explicit. It's consistent with your awareness. So awareness is actually the second principle. We're we're starting to build some capacity to get things done, right? To be in control. So we start saying, what is my awareness? You know, what is my environment? What, What is my situation? There's kind of the inside and the outside. And then there's feedback is a critical part of that. Far too often, we have this poor relationship with feedback, right? Because we think about feedback like I got a report card and I got bad grades. Or I had a performance review and they, you know, dinged me on this or that or the other thing. Or, you know, a friend told me that I'm fat and old. Or, you know, whatever it is, you know, we kind of have this kind of iffy relationship with feedback. And yet... Think about it. Without feedback, 
you would very likely never, ever change. Right? And so what I encourage in the book, in the second chapter, is to really question, you know, go through some thought and understand, well, what is my relationship to feedback? And I offer some affirmations. So each chapter has some affirmations. They're not like these are the gold affirmations that will fix your life or some silly thing like that. There are suggestions that give you some foundations, again, if you will, some ideas around statements that allow you to say, this is something I want to strengthen, I don't want to work on in that way, or it's something I want to overcome. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? So you can't just say, I'm going to get rid of this thing. You have to say, I'm going to get rid of this thing, and then I'm going to replace it with something else, something that serves me better, right? Mm -hmm. And so that really gets us into the third principle, which is, what do I learn, right? So I've got my values. I'm being a little more aware. Then you start to learn. We learn from success and we learn from failure. One of the best examples of this is in business. And this is, I'm getting a little older now, so I remember this pretty well because I was working with computers a lot at the time. But Apple Computer, their very first graphical user interfaced computer was not a Macintosh. It was the Lisa. Have you ever heard of a Lisa? I know that they had some stuff, but I, 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 I'm aware of something before the, the Macintosh, but not the name. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a dismal failure, frankly. <laughs> it almost bankrupted the company. It was, it was disastrous for them. But it had the very first graphical user interface. And they learned so much from that spectacular failure. Thank you, Steve Jobs, right? That they took what they learned from it and they came out with the Macintosh, which was, and still is today, this spectacular success, right? And so we take the disasters, we take the failures, because we all have them, no matter who we are, right? There was only one perfect person, and and uh, it's not us. So, <laughs> so, And so, you know, we take what our failures and we learn. We build on that. We can learn from success as well, because, right, you can't rest in your laurels for too long. Um, you become complacent. And that, of course, is the, one of the first steps to downfall. So anyways, um, and then we look at our intent. So your intent to think about like in a business, we have a vision. What's our vision for the company, right? Well, this is like, what's your vision for yourself? You know, what is your intent? What is your vision? And then you start making plans because your vision is kind of like a dream. You got to make plans. And then the plans then become something that you need to do. And those are really the steps you think, can you see how th they actually build on each other? So everything's based on my values has got to be consistent with my values, right? These are my guidelines. I'm going to operate within these things because I know if I step out of them at some point, I'm going to regret it. And regret, I mean, Dan Pink just wrote a new book called Regret. He sold more copies of his than I have of mine, but maybe someday that'll change. <laughs> but anyways, it's a good book. And he talks about, you know, regret as something that we learn from, right? As is something that can help us guide. And I'd like you to avoid regret, however, as much as possible. So I think one core way to do that is to make your values explicit and then live them consistently. 
But upon those values, you know, this meaning in your life, you start building these foundations and, and they build on each other to the point that you then you're all of a sudden you're accomplishing things that in the past you didn't actually think you could because you've gone step by step, slowly, slowly as a human being, planting that seed, allowing it to germinate, growing a little bit of a stem. And you get that point where all of a sudden you start to believe something is possible that wasn't. And that gives you hope, right? And so that belief is kind of like happiness. It's not something that you can just decide, what are the three steps to belief? It's something that by going through these other steps sequentially and in small, thoughtful ways that you can then actually create greater belief in yourself, in your own capacity, because you will see it happening. Think of it like this. If you've ever taken a test, maybe you took the driver's test and failed, or, you know, for any CPAs out there, about half of all people who take the CPA exam fail the first time around. The bar exam, it's like 60% of the people succeed, 40% fail, right? And so when they fail, what do they do? That's it, I'm done, I'll never be an accountant now, right? No, they go back, they take a review course, they study harder, they look at where you know they felt like they were weaker and they focus on those areas and very frequently, most of the time, in fact, they succeed the second time around. And I always love that about college professors who, if I was willing to put the effort into it, right, to retake a test, because I love this when they have the attitude, it's not about me judging you, telling you you're a bad student. It's about me helping you to learn the subject right, to learn the material. What a positive attitude for a teacher as opposed to, eh, you got a C minus, so you're screwed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm getting a little off target here. So anyways, so feedback and belief builds over time by taking small steps and following these in sequence. And then you've got self-kindness and I offer some tools to help you engage in self-kindness and replace kind of self-hating, self-loathing, self-deprecating with positive, uplifting, supportive self-talk, right? And then the sense that you're a human being, you're not a machine. You're a part of this great human family. I don't care what your background is, what struggles you've had in your life, um, what maybe health challenges you've had to overcome or economic or cultural challenges, right? Because they are there. There's no doubt they are there. But I promise you, if you will look carefully, you are not alone. Whatever your situation is, there is somebody else who's Hispanic, who grew up in New York, who maybe their parents weren't the best parents, <laughs> and maybe you didn't get the best grades, and you know you had some language barriers, you're not alone. There are other people who have not only dealt with those things, but done so successfully. I'm a fan of Dr. Andrew Weil. Um, he was very popular in the 90s, 80s, 90s, you know, 2000 maybe. He's in his mid 80s, I think now, getting close to 90. So, um, but uh, he talks about one of the best ways to learn 
to overcome something is to simply look at examples of others who have done it, right? And so I think that's really a very powerful lesson. There are others who have overcome, and if they can do it, very likely you can too. But then again, you go back because we make mistakes. We have things happen, right? Environment changes and, and we fall down, right? Then we got to go back one step to the self-kindness. Do I beat myself up for those things? Or do I say, no, that's not like me. I'm on this path. I can do this. You know, you pick yourself up and you keep moving forward. And the final concept I call mindlessness. Why do you think I would do that? The final chapter of the book. I guess to to just wrap it up for people that, you know, this this is simplified. Right? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So I, you know what caused me to change the title of the chapter? I was watching a Dr. Phil interview. And he said, yeah, I was talking to somebody about mindfulness the other day. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I could see their brain going, woo, 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 crazy talk, <laughs> right? It's like, do I have to wear yoga pants, eat yogurt, and learn foreign terms in order to be mindful, right? Do I have to, like, sit on the floor and learn how to stretch and do all these things? Well, you can. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is not necessary, Right. And so I make the point in that last chapter is I've got a mind. I promise you're looking at this, you're reading this, you're listening to this. Um, you've got a mind too. So the only thing that matters, the only question that we should have is if I've got a mind, and scientists have told us this is the singularly most important, most amazing, most capable creation in the entire universe the question is how am i using my mind so mindless there's no compliments that use the word mindless i challenge you to think of a compliment that uses the theme of mindlessness right and so the whole thing is all right i have this mind maybe i should try to use it right and that is it that's the whole point of the chapter this is a gift that we all have been given. So how am I using it? And if we can kind of get over any biases that we have, or you know whether we've got yoga pants in the closet or not, right? We have a brain, we have a mind, and it's this amazing thing. How am I using it? And I, a lot of this is kind of you know principle based. I'll give something that anybody can take away. This is a simple habit. It's a simple pattern that incorporates elements of all of these principles and that helps you use your mind. Because this is as simple as it gets and, and I hope people can see this. So I recommend this to everybody, start your morning with intent, right? Look at your values, look at your awareness, look at what you've learned, look at your intent for the day, your plans and what your actions, you know, that you're using to carry out your plans. Look at those things and say, what is my intent? What's my vision? And at the end of the day, simply take five minutes and ask yourself, think, right? How did I do? And if you failed, right? Whatever you're working on, maybe you didn't make, maybe you made five things and you missed the sixth. What do we tend to do? 
what's our normal for most people, right? I start beating myself up about that sixth thing. It's like when I met my wife, I had five classes <laughs> um, 37 years ago next month. Um, I met my wife. I was a little distracted. She wasn't my wife yet. My girlfriend at the time. <laughs> I had five classes. I got five, four A's and an F. <laughs> Ouch. So you only worried about the F. <laughs> Else I, did, I didn't worry about those four A's at all. I said, oh my gosh, that's going to kill my GPA and you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's what we tend to do, right? We focus on that. Instead of saying, and you know, I got there eventually. What yeah. did I learn from this, right? Maybe one less date this week <laughs> and a little more focus on that. Anyways, you know, and this is what we do though, right? We kind of go through the process. We look at these things. We are intentional in the morning. It doesn't take long, five minutes. I don't care how busy you are, how frantic your life is, how frustrated you are, right? Take five minutes and say, what is my intent? Not 47 things. So sorry, guys, that never works. It doesn't work in business. It doesn't work in our personal life. You got to prioritize. Look at your values. Use that as a guide. Mm -hmm. What do I need to focus on today? Could be work, right? Could be professional, could be personal, could be spiritual. Doesn't matter because your life, you know this, right? Because of your awareness work, you know this, right? So you look at that. And at the end of the day, how did I do? I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to judge myself too harshly. I'm still going to simply say, how did I do? Where did I succeed? Where did I fail? What did I learn from this? The third principle. The next morning I get up, my brain has arranged and organized all that stuff that's happened. It's taken that thoughtfulness that I engaged in and it's put things in. It helps the brain to organize those overnight. When I get up then, I'm intentional. What's my day? If you do that every day, you will become the captain of your life. <laughs> uh, David, you, you know, I'm listening to you. I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm eager to jump in, but but I had to to wait out. And And, you know, you've talked about some real basic elements of how we can be the best that we can be. To your point, ultimately be the captain of your life. You and you, you are the leader. No one else is. And and you know, you talk about mindlessness, right? You know, and just just being, you know, that I. That's why you asked me the question. <laughs> I figured, you know, it's not. It's 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 really it's ironic. It sounds bad, but it's not. It's really just the fact that your mind. You don't have to overthink it. It's as simple as what you have to do. These are the steps. We all know them. As a matter of fact, we know these things. You know, it's funny because. People are listening like, well, there's nothing new here. Well, it's not new, but you have not put it in front of you in perspective. You didn't project it to see it. Once you hear it, I was like, oh, damn, that's like, how did I not think about that? How did I not apply this? But you are. You, you talked about, first of all, you've traveled the world. And, you know, we're talking here, we're in the States and, you know, we have challenges here. But if anyone in the States currently at any position in their life, and, and I love when you did that whole, yeah, it's funny, your background in, in, in finance still is with you anytime because you were doing a graph <laughs> with an exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> I, I was like, this, that, that looked like a graph for me. But, but, but the fact is, you know, the, the concept we, we look at here, we always look at our immediate environment, but we never tend to look like we are very fortunate compared to a lot of people. And just, just looking at that thought itself will change your life. 
you know, so, so now you start seeing what you have versus what you don't have. And then how do I achieve what I don't have? Right. Then, then we start about your principles. You, you, you revisit your values. You put your, your intents together. You wake up, you talk positive to yourself. You, you mentioned the word failure or, or you know, some, to me, I personally, I don't, I wouldn't even go to failure. What I, what I refer to those is that experiences, you know, setbacks. You uh, the reason I say, it because I don't believe in failure until you don't change. It's only failure if you don't do anything about it. So, so for me, every single one of those is actually a lesson that I just learned from. So actually it's positive. It's not bad. I, you have to learn somehow. <laughs> so that's beautiful. So, so every time there is, that's why, like you said, it, we wake up, you know, we, we do five good things and we beat ourselves about back. By the way, that's where society is. Unfortunately, you can be the best that you do. Like you can do all the good stuff. And they say like the one thing that you didn't do oh, really. I mean, I, I always, I, I hate this when it happens in, in the workplace. We're like, you put a policy, you put this, you change the whole thing. And then someone's like, well, well, you, you didn't do this. Well, that's the damn thing that you're actually missing right now. I mean, you see that how much work was to do this. And you're yeah. going to tell me like, why did I miss this piece? Why don't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did my job. So do yours. But, but, you know, this is the part where people, unfortunately, society will, will criticize people by default, because instead of saying, oh my God, you know, what a, what a motivation, what an inspiration here. You know, I love all the work you do, you know, and, and talking about, you know, um, feedback you know they could say you know i you know if only you did this you know it could have had a bigger bigger picture well thank you for doing that right thank you for sharing that i mean i didn't think about it that way so you take it that way but if i say oh for damn you know you you know they will never talk about the good stuff and they're like well you did this why like you look at a piece of art like well you should have done this differently well that's my picture (laughs) you just do your own and do it the way you want it (laughs) why do you have to worry about mine but but if you're gonna talk about my picture, tell me like you know maybe the next one I'll take some of your advice and do it, you know. So again, it's how we do. But but unfortunately, it is something that's almost instilled instilled in that in, in, in the humanity today that you know we look at what's wrong with you versus all the good that you do and you've done, and and you can be good with people, you know, years and years and years. You do one bad thing and that's all they remember. They'll remember you with sure. the bad thing that you did. Unfortunately, it is bad, but but it has been a, a habit. Hopefully we can change the minds by, by listening to something like this. But the fact of the matter is very simple for individual person. Like you said, you want to be the captain. Well, positive talk. That's the other thing. If I keep saying, oh, I'm not good. I didn't do anything like, you know, I should have done this. Well, you just beat on yourself. So now all, all this, the psyche is going to stop playing on you. And you're like, you know, I'm a loser. I'm not doing good. I can never do this. You, you talked about doesn't matter where you are in the, 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 the realm of, 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 of start point. People start at different levels yet. You know, I mean, you look at the start, right, at the race. They all kind of start differently and, they, you know, and they, right. they launch. Sometimes you think like, well, this one is at a disadvantage, but they catch up somehow on the stuff. Also, life is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, <laughs> people think like, you know, we have these stories about overnight success, which has hoaxes because I don't know of a real story where somebody overnight, unless they won a lottery and probably even that they had to spend a lot of money before they get into that first exactly. winning ticket. So, and they had to be in it to win it. But, you know, People try to throw this, this little things to people and get them excited. That's good, but, but be realistic because at the end of the day, you know, that's not the reality of things. It's not going to happen overnight. And you'll have to prep people that, you know, I always say you were, you did not stand and became, you know, tall as, 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 as tall as you are. You were uh, literally a drop of, 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 of sperm and whatever liquid, you know, a, a very microscopic, you know, creature. And then you got into a different stage in the belly. You were born, you know, you couldn't even walk. You, ha- you were helpless. And slowly but surely you were crawling, standing, dropping. 
And then you grew up to different stages to be whoever you are today. So exactly. it took all these years. The universe was created in multiple stages. <laughs> you know, exactly. you want things to happen overnight. I mean, if God, you know, can create anything in a split second, but he gave us the example of the fact that it takes time to create beauty. It takes time to create, you know, perfect you know, stuff. And we want something that is perfect overnight without any work, without any action, just like instant satisfaction. I want it. It's done. Well, maybe in a dream, you can dream it and it happens, but not in reality. The dream has to take steps to be, you know, uh, realized. And to do that is, again, taking action. You have to manifest it. You have to see it. And you have to work towards it. Like uh, I, one of the quotes I've always used um, and, and actually motivates me is like some people dream of success, other wake up and work at it. And, yeah. and, and, and I applied that since I was a kid and it, it served me well. But the fact of the matter is that if you just wake up, uh, what a boring day. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, I hate my life. I hate my job. I hate, well, if you start saying, I hate, well, you already like hating the world. So there's nothing in the world that's going to satisfy you. Right. You look at it and that's why we start with our values. Right. Remember who Vince Lombardi was? Yeah. He yeah. was football coach, right? Yeah. So he would take the best high school players in the entire country, right? Who they would recruit to their team. They were freshmen in college. And he would take these guys who'd played football, you know, for years. They were the best in the school, probably one of the best in their state at what they did. And he would sit them down and he would show them and he'd say, this is a football. This is what the material is. This is the characteristics of that material. These are the laces. This is how you hold the football. These are the aerodynamics of the football, right? It was boring, right? This is, everybody knows this. This is the basics. But what he knew and what most thoughtful people knew is that as soon as we start building, right, to get fruit without strengthening the foundations, all the things that lead to the fruit, we're going to get ourselves off track. And he knew that great championships teams always focused on and got perfect at the basics. And then they built on that. They didn't just start with the advanced, you know, fancy trick plays and that kind of stuff. They focused on the basics. And that's really, you can call me the basics guy, the foundation guy or something, right? It's all about, don't forget your foundations. Even somebody like yourself, who's very accomplished, right? You look at this and go, you know, I've never thought about it that way, or I've kind of let this go, or mm -hmm. do I really have my values explicit, right? And you talk about that example, right? Well, that is an example of languishing, right? This kind of, eh, nothing's worth it. Nothing gets me excited, right? I'm not motivated. Mm. And you don't need Zig Ziglar to come in and tell you, get up there and do it. You can do it, right? That will help you out for a day or two. But really what you want to do is grow this as much as you can from the inside. And if you can do that, and, you, and it's, it's, it's really the steps they build on each other. And as soon as we skip a step later on, we'll regret it, right? And if we think about our lives I'll give you this. I mean, I know we're getting close on time here probably, but uh, no, we're good. We're good. I mean, you think about this like a tree, right? So a tree that has strong roots and trunk and branches, none of that produces fruit, right? That's not the fruit. We all want the fruit, right? the outcomes, right? That's what we want, but you can't get it without those things. And we all kind of recognize that, right? But what we tend to do is like, 
well, if I just do this or that, the tips, the tricks, and the techniques to get more fruit out here, we may get more fruit for a while, right? But it will never last because we haven't built the foundations to sustain that kind of production, that kind of output. Mm -hmm. And so in a tree, what it looks like is you've got weak foundations. You may have a big harvest one year, but it sucks so much resources out that the tree then isn't able to function and maybe even dies. Maybe you're growing lots of fruit without those things, but then you have a little, little bit of hardship, right? Maybe the spring is late, or maybe the summer is too early, or maybe there's too much rain, you know, when it's not supposed to be there, or all these things, right? And what happens in the human experience, we see these things, you know, we have some kind of trauma, some kind of disruption, something we didn't want to end has ended. And because our foundations are weak, our failure, if you will, which we can learn from. And I love that. I love, I love your comment there. But we have, what do I want to call this? And what we have is failure. And so it tends to be more catastrophic. Mm. So think about that tree that has built the strong roots and trunk and the branches. During the good times, it will produce even more fruit than somebody who's just focusing on the fruit itself because it's got the structure to do it. And in the bad times, instead of blowing over or failing catastrophically, which in human beings, it could be like a nervous breakdown, could be burnout, could be becoming overwhelmed, becoming depressed, you know, all these kind of human things that happen to us when we begin, we don't have the foundations, right? We fail to persevere. We fail to resile, you know, that idea of resilience through short-term problems. Um, and so by focusing on these foundations and keeping them in mind and making sure that we keep them fresh, keep them current, everything else we do is going to be more effective. And all the advanced courses that we take, all the other books we might read, all the other podcasts we might watch, they will be more effective. They will be more beneficial for us because we've got these foundations that we're building on that's going to produce no matter whether the times are good or whether the times are bad. That's why they're so beautiful. They're universal because they always serve us well. They always do. Well, you, you know, it's funny. You, you referred to the, the trees and, and the source. And, and as you were thinking about it, thinking about a similar analogy uh, with buildings, structures, uh, you know, to have a very powerful structure that can withstand winds and hurricanes and probably you need a solid foundation and build it with, you know, the right, you know, uh, base, foundation, footings, you name it, right? And, you know, but that's just the foundation. And then once you have a full, nice, solid structure, then you can cosmetically do whatever you want with it. You can shift things, change things, you know, but the core is always there. It cannot change. You know, you have to build it. And it takes time to do that. You can't do it overnight. Otherwise, the first wind that's going to come will blow it down and it's over. I, I, I just love that concept. And you're right. You know, we typically have these these. Uh, feelings that you know, oh my God, you know, I'm, you know, if you're washy washy in the beginning and things are not really correct, you know, things are always going to be, you know, not following through. You're going to have issues, and then that's when you have doubt, and then that's when you start like, you know, this is not working out for me. The one rule that I always tell people is that 
doesn't matter what happens. You fall, you get up, you get up again, you keep keep getting up as many times as it's necessary until you get there. And you will get there. You talk about vision and seeing the vision. The vision is there. You will always get there. And to, one thing you said earlier that was powerful. If you have a vision, you stand a chance and you're going to walk towards it. But if you have none, <laughs> you have zero chance because you haven't even begun to think about things, right? So, so it's just the concept that you have to develop. I, I, and by the way, I, you mentioned something about the the something in 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 learning from 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 uh, shows and fuck. Every single show I've been on today to date, three years now, it's well. I I literally had this reference to someone uh, yesterday, literally a friend, and I I, I refer to uh, re- refer to this as as such. Uh, every show was a lecture that I got from a professor at a university, or 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 a great you know uh, speaker somewhere. Uh, the reason being is that's a lecture, that's a learning lesson that I picked up. Uh, some of the stuff I know, a lot of stuff I don't. And you know what? I just add that to my value, right? To my, you know, arsenal and my, 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 you know, uh, wealth of knowledge that helps me also develop more and hopefully share with more people. So every single opportunity I have, I'll take it. You know, talking about feedback, listen, knowledge, feedback, it's all good. Again, in the right context. I mean, if someone like constantly like beating on you and says, you know, you suck, you don't do this, why do you should have this? You know, that's not helping. That's not, that's not positive. We, the thing is that that's, I think the biggest challenge is that people are so overwhelmed with negativity that they tend to really just stay in that realm. And people do not help sometimes by uh, who you think you are, what, what makes you think you're going to do this? You know, Oh, your background sucks. You know, you're not going to do anything. You know, you're not going to make it. It's not your world. It doesn't, you know, you're going to have every reason why things are not going to work for you instead of thinking about every reason why it could work for you. And that's really a big deal. You mentioned something about someone like the the podcast from the, the, the podcast from the Bronx, you know, multiple stories, you know, I mean, I, I always like, uh, I had an interview and someone interviewed about me. It's like, where well, did you start? Well, I started in Africa too <laughs> with a small dream when I was a kid, you know, and my dream has come true, you know, and I'm still working on it. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the fact is I've seen, you know, things and I know to your point, like someone that has money and starts with that level. I've seen some people that have plenty of money and they lose all of it. Some people maintain, some people grow. But, but, but and some people have none and, and become much richer than those that had the money. Style. It's not about that. It's like you start and you just keep working. And the best, you know, the best wealth you can gain is your own self. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the biggest message here from you is that exactly. you are turning people to become powerful themselves and, and wealthy, rich within themselves. The rest will happen if you can convert and change yourself to the best being you can be and become the leader of your life and really seize, you know, the, the strain and, and, and make it happen. And if you can do that, you, you are the helm, <laughs> no one else. And, and, but, but you can only do that by, by, to your point, building those, those foundations correctly and, and really absorbing, you know, and, and, and work those details, practice them to like today I might not be as good. I may not do exactly the steps you did, you, you stated, but today I'll do some, I miss, I miss one. Okay, no problem. Tomorrow I'll add another one. And if you add one a day, in a few days, you got them all. <laughs> and then just from that point, and that's actually where I apply even my work. Like every day I learn something new in my podcast or my, 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 my channel or my radio or stuff. And I build from there. I build from there. And every day, like if, if you look back at my shows in the last three years, you're going to see like a progression of everything from the lighting to the look to the, to me, to my speech, to everything. Everything has evolved slowly. And I'm not in a rush. I'm not impressing anybody. I want to do it and I'll keep doing it until it becomes 
you know, the best that I can. And I will ne never end because I want to make it more and better, you know, for more people. So, and maybe not just me. I want more people to actually be part, part of this. But that's just how I see it. But you and I, we're, to, to your point, we, we belong to the human race, right? We're right. all the same. You know, we come from different worlds, but we operate similarly. And a lot of people, and if not everyone out there, doesn't matter the circumstances, success stories are upon us every day. We hear them. We see them. And you said something powerful also earlier. If they can do it, so can I. <laughs> you know, if after you all, look, there will be an example of somebody in very similar to your situation who has overcome. Right. And it probably didn't happen overnight. I love what you said. We see these kind of, you know, success stories or whatever. And it's like, oh, they did that. It's never overnight. Right. Some band, you know, they're a big hit all of a sudden. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. And if it does, because there's always an exception. It's just that. Sure. Yeah. It's an exception. We cannot bank on being the exception. Right. It's like cheating the system. I love the, the late Stephen Covey used to say the law of the farm, right? And sometimes, you know, like you're taking a test and you failed pr to prepare. So you stay up all night long, you study, you drink lots of coffee, take those energy drinks and whatever you got to do. And you did a pretty good grade on the test. You know, you think I succeeded. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he said, that's not the law of the farm. That's the law of trying to cheat the law of the farm. And it will kick you in the butt. Because you know what? If there was anything of value in there, you aren't going to remember it. Because you haven't gone through the steps to put that into long-term memory. Cramming overnight puts it into short-term memory so you can take a test. Check the box. It's pedantic learning. It's not effective. The law of the farm says, gee, I forgot to plant the seeds in the springtime. It's the middle of the summer. I'll just do it now. It'll still work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dudes. It doesn't work out, right? You've got to build these foundations. You've got to, you realize this is real life and this is your life. I mean, a common question I get is a lot of people ask, well, how long does it take for me to develop a new you? And I really want to emphasize that it's not, like next week or next year or when I'm 50 or whatever, when I'm 20, if you're younger, right? It's, that's not the point. New you is a process. It's a journey. And that's the important point. New you is a way that you live your life as the captain of your life. And it never ends. I'm 62 this year. I am becoming a new me every day. I and it. I will be when I'm 72 or when I'm 82. Every day. This is a lifelong journey that I live every day. So it's not like some superficial, you know, temporary goal. I said, you know, like we're talking about the key is who am I becoming? As I become more, my capacity to do will increase. And so by focusing on becoming, I actually focus on doing it's a beautiful, but it's sustainable and it's durable and it will be with me for the rest of my life. I love, you ever, um, so we get a little far afield again, but the late Viktor Frankl, he wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a Jew who survived like four or five years in concentration camps in Germany during World War II. But he was a psychologist and 
what he learned, one of the core lessons he learned there as he was trying to not go crazy or die um, was that I've seen people, big, strong, I'm in charge, you know, people who under the stress of the concentration camp just folded. Mm. And I have seen small, not impressive people who survived and yeah, you never thrive in that environment, but they survive the environment and they make it through all of those challenges because they've built that core. You know, their inside is where their focus is. And one of the quotes from my book is, if we fail to become more, that failure will become the rate limiting factor of our life. Powerful. You know, here's a quick test to, to what we did today. Every single minute that you said something, there's a new me and a new you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, every, every concept you shared with me, it's a new me today. This minute, I've just shifted over the last 60 minutes into different phases where I've learned and I've become somebody else by learning more. Now it's just a matter of acting on it. And to your point, every day you wake up. You become a new person. You add something. Yesterday's person is gone. You're the new you today. Now, how you apply that, how you work with it, it's you got to take some new steps. New day, new beginning, great adventures, great opportunities. Make it work. But but that, again, these are simple concepts, talking about mindlessness, right? It's just a simple concept. But we just have to learn how to apply them. And sometimes they're like, they're not there because we're so busy with the rest of the world. It's all just out there. And we're always concentrating, you know, on all the bad things and the vibes that are coming in. We are not focused on us ourselves. We're just worried about everything. And like the example I always say, you want to make sure that you are solid so you can be good for whoever's around you. You can't help your family if you're not, you know, to your point, the core. You are the core of the family, right? Anyone in the family, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, if there's a couple, they're both the core, but each one of them has to be the core for themselves to be able to give to the rest of the family to be, and then ultimately the society and whoever the environment and, and, and their community, whatever. But the fact is, that's the concept. We don't sometimes focus on this because we're so distracted and or we're so like um, lightheaded with things that are not relevant. You know, we get just so much junk out there that is feeding us the wrong stuff doesn't help us. And then we always like, oh my God, oh my God. You, by the way, you want anything in life. I always say this. If I want, I, I, I give a good example. That was my example. When I was a kid, you know, I wanted a Benz. You know, that was my dream, you know, for, as a car. Well, I got my Benz when I got 40, when I was 40. But I did get my, my Benz eventually. But it, did it take a year? Did it take two years? It took a long time before I get to my dream. It sounds weird on the, on the show. But it is, it is a target I put in my life as, as something when I was a kid, if you had a base, that was like, you know, you, you're out there, right? You you've made arrived. It. Yeah. You've arrived, exactly. So to me, that was like something I grew up with in my mind and I had to work. That, but I knew my first car was a Ford Tempo. That was so old, it's nothing funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the, the bottom line is, I didn't, you know, I, I want my Benz today or nothing. The word ends today or yeah, forget about it. You know, I'm not going to do it. No, I knew it was not going to happen. But I had to take the necessary step. It, was, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of work. There was a lot of stress going on. And you manage those through those things and eventually you get there. So the point I'm making is that it doesn't matter what you set yourself to get, you know, eventually work on yourself well, build that foundation as, as you know, David is alluding to in his book and the rest will come. It will manifest. There is no doubt. It's almost a guarantee. 
you know, I might not be able to guarantee it physically because you have to do the work because that results may vary on, depends on your, your input, right? But at the end of the day, you have what it takes. Everybody has, if you breathe and if you're alive, guess what? You have what it takes. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are doing, I, I've had a guest who's actually, uh, you know, she, she, she was born without limbs and uh, uh, without arms. And I, I, I think she was born, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. she's a pilot with her legs. Okay. So most of us, we like, you know, challenging ourselves like we have everything and we complain. She's an artist. She's, yeah. she does, she does taekwondo. She, she's, she's, I mean, ultimate, you know, real motivation and inspiration. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So people out there are, there are people on wheelchairs that are doing tremendous stuff around the world. Okay. There are people that are blind and they, they have, you know, changed the world. Right. There are people yeah. with less, you know, uh, things that, that the, the most, you know, people have, and they will still be, you know, making, you know, a good input in their lives because they determined to change themselves. They don't, oh my God, they don't get the pity talk and like, oh, that's it, yeah, life sucks. Yeah. They make it, they turn things around to their benefit by making the changes that are necessary for themselves. And everyone watching, listening, you are not any different. We all can do this. No one out there. I don't care where, to your point, doesn't matter what continent, doesn't matter what religion, what culture. Yeah, circumstances will vary. Some will be harder than others. Obviously, for example, in the States, I, I actually, sometimes it, it annoys the hell out of me, even my kids, when to them, everything is easy because they haven't experienced a lack of things, for example, right? Uh, when you don't have things, you appreciate them. <laughs> you, you work hard for them, but you appreciate them. You take care of them. You know, for them, it's like, okay, all right. Well, and so and that's why I, I, then you build some sort of a entitlement mentality. And then the rest is not, you know, you expect the world to give you a handout. That's not going to work. But, yeah. but all that can change if you change to your point, the way you are from within your mindset, the whole night. Yeah, it's this process of becoming through your life. It's, and it's interesting. I was watching a, I was in a class actually. This was a while back now, but last year, but and this guy was talking to these very accomplished people. And I, again, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm learning stuff all the time. So he said, how many of you guys have goals? You know, like everybody who's accomplished has raised their hand because, you know, they have goals. So they said, I'm going to share a concept with you. There are two kinds of goals. There are what I want to do goals, right? So what I want to get done. And that's what everybody would raise their hand about, right? I want to get this degree. I want to accomplish this goal in my career. I want to, you know, lose weight. I want to whatever. Um, and then he said, another kind of goal, perhaps, and I would say certainly a more important goal is who am I becoming? Mm. We think about becoming the captain of our life. That's really a journey of becoming the person that you want to become. This is the person who naturally is going to accomplish these external things. But the key here is that, frankly, we don't control the external things. We can influence them, right? It's very possible that you could live your whole life and never own the beds, right? It's very possible. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that you'll be miserable and you'll hate yourself? And right? Of course not, right? You could be a happy, well-adjusted, successful joyful person contributing to society. You can have all of these things going for you. You could be competent, capable, kind, thoughtful, a good listener, right? All these things without owning events. But you control 
some of those things. Like, am I careful? Am I thoughtful? Am I kind? Right? This is who I'm becoming. And if I become a person over time, lifelong journey, again, right? It never ends. We're going to accomplish more. But you think about it. I, I, there are nearly 8 billion people on the planet. It'd be fun. It's an exercise. After the podcast, how many rich and famous people can you think of? And start writing the list. Most people after 20 or 30 people is like, gosh, I mean, I'm rich and famous, you know, and maybe 40 or if you're really into Us magazine or, you know, people or whatever, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 rich and famous people alive on the earth today. If you're lucky, most of us, you know, it's like 20 or 30. It's like, oh, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so if we need to be rich and famous <laughs> to be successful in life, right? We need to think about our definition of success. Because if that's the case, right, that means 7,999,999,970 of us are miserable and life isn't worth living, which is obviously ridiculous, right? And so it isn't those things that creates success, right? And we're going to have to define this for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if we, the success will come in our life by the process of who we are becoming. And as people talk about law of attraction and those kinds of things, and I, that stuff is always a little bit woo-woo to me, but, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of the foundations guy, right? So, but you will, by becoming a person, have more of these things than you would if you weren't. That I can guarantee. You will be a little happier. You will be have more friends. You will have a little more money. You will have a little more security. You will have a little more joy, right? All of these things that we all kind of want will come to you as a part of the process of who you're becoming because it would be impossible to not have that happen. Does it mean that you'll be rich or famous? If that's where your goal is, realize that most of that is outside your control, right? We really need to focus our lives mostly on the things that are in our control. And then some of those other things that would be nice, you know, that like the bends, right, may come to us. And then fantastic. You can feel good about that. Good for you, right? That's just great. But your happiness and success in life is not dependent on any of these external things. Because if it is, you know, then we're all in trouble. I mean, right? We're all in trouble. And so this is inconsistent with the reality of life. And the marketers, I'm going to jump on my soapbox here. So I apologize. You could bleed this out if, if this isn't appropriate. But, you know, the marketers all want us to think that success means I'm on vacation in Tahiti six months out of the year. I'm skiing in Aspen the other six months or in the Swiss Alps. And I drive a Lamborghini uh, when I'm not in my yeah. Bugatti, right? <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, and if I'm not on vacation 24-7, I am not happy, right? I mean, th this is kind of what people are trying to sell us to satisfy these needs that we have. But what has happened is when we seed our lives to their vision of what makes us happy, we've... Stop being the captain of our life, right? 
So we need to stay consistent with my values, with my life, with wherever I'm at on this line, right? Whatever my line of ascendancy is, right? This is where I have control. This is where I can define my success. This is where I can have all the things I really want in life as I'm the captain of this journey. And if some of those things happen for me, if I get to Tahiti, fantastic. But you know, if I don't ever make it, it doesn't make that much difference, right? It's an external thing. And I can't, literally can't control that. I can influence it. It might be something I have as a goal and that's just fine. But realize we need to focus most of our attention on the things that we control, knowing that by changing who we are, we're going to influence those things that are open and available to us. Thank you, thank you so much. And 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 you know, um, you've covered the, the the definition of success to a degree because um, I know when I give the example of the bands, you know, it was just to show people that when you set a target, you can go after it. Yeah. Uh, as 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 just an isolated thing. Ultimately, you know, to your point, these are material things that you know but but you mentioned the marketers you know think about a kid who sees that as the success and so that's what stays in your brain so it's part of that formula that you want to get to it eventually obviously when you have it eventually it's like well it's just a car <laughs> you know? but exactly but, well this thing of <laughs> we keep trying to get there this place and then when we arrive at that place, we realize that there is no there. Exactly. Uh, well, again, in career path and stuff, but 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 the one thing that remains, which is the most powerful to your point, is you and your concept and your actual foundation, because that's something you can take anyway. You're right. I mean, by the way, uh, some people, their success is to have a better education. So their success is to just become more knowledgeable, uh, to be a better parent, to be healthier. I mean, like like we had shows about health and and, you know, to be honest, to be honest with you, money is relevant if your health is gone. Health is wealth, really. Uh, yeah. Knowledge, you know, and health, if you have those, you know, that's actually a treasure on their treasures on their own. You don't even need any material stuff. I One time I, I, I stated this, that we are born trillionaires. I mean, we have infinite, you know, value without having to have any money. Because money is something that was designed to, to exchange the society. I mean, you use it uh, as, as a tool, but it shouldn't be the end of the game. The end of the game is just work on yourself every day, as you said, and then that the rest will manifest. I mean, that's the, that's the magic about this is that, you know, it's almost a, it's like a mathematical equation. If you did these things, the rest is going to fall in place. <laughs> exactly. And no one can design, no one can decline or deny this because it is, it has been proven. Uh, you mentioned something about, you know, uh, Vince Lombardi and, you know, a similar concept that I use is in martial arts, right? You know, uh, Everybody sees movies and everybody's fighting, but when you go to train, they take you to these steps of like, you know, the same movement over and over and over a thousand times. Like that's boring. If you don't know your stance, if you don't know your basic punches, yeah, you might be able to throw something, but you're not going to be as good as someone who does. So that's why it takes a lot of time to be, you know, a black belt and, and so on and so forth. You do stuff thousands of times just to be perfect at one time, right? And and people, they just want like, oh, I don't need all that. I can do this right away. Well, yeah, sure. But when you get to someone that actually has been through that training, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll notice the difference. It's, it's that kind of superficial level, right? Superficially, I can look pretty good. But when it comes down to it, compared to somebody who actually has put the time mm -hmm. and the effort and the sacrifice into it, it will become obvious what the difference is, <laughs> right? It's when you see those clips of Bruce Lee you know, uh -huh. <laughs> against a lesser opponent, which it seems like they all are. 
Well, even I, I love the interviews with. Uh, oh shoot. Uh, Jackie Chan. Uh, well, I love Jackie Chan too. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> the guy who um, he was Texas Walker. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Ranger. Uh, um, um, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, exactly. <laughs> who actually, you know, sparred and was in movies and fought with, and they were sparring partners. He and Bruce Lee, because he was a legitimate karate champion, and they had a connection, uh, and they were friends um, for far too short of a time, obviously. But uh, but he would talk about, you know, kind of the that whole thing, which is, I mean, which is is a beautiful example of the law of the farm. Right. I can put on a facade and I can get away with this for a while. But at some point, they're going to put me in the ring with Bruce Lee or with Chuck Norris or somebody who's legit. <laughs> and and, they, you know, the end result is going to be obvious. And and so you have to ask yourself, do I want to be the facade? Do I want to be the flash in the pan? Um, or do I want to be the real deal? Right. Which th nobody can ever take. Like you said, nobody can ever take that away from you. It's simply who you are you can never be disrespected it can never be fired it can never be abused right because it's just who you are i mean that's the beauty of this it's this it's the strength of it it's the consistency of it and 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 it's the foundation david it will give anyone building those those following those concepts and really ex executing on them uh they'll become a whole new different person um that that they will they will control in any situation and and, and no one can actually to your point no one can challenge you to it no one can oh you're gonna lose your job okay <laughs> i i can do this tomorrow i can wake up again and do it just do it better uh you, you know you you really become a master at you know at your life and you can do a lot of things differently at that point but but and, and it's achievable the, the the whole idea is that anyone can do it just a matter of re you have to i mean obviously nothing is easy you got to work towards it and it's yeah. day in day out and to your point it's a constant work it's not you know this is overnight or like you know a period of time and it's over it's continuous it's never going to end until the end um but but that's the thing so that's the challenge that you know sometimes people have i think today we've conveyed a lot of that you know i think if people are listening to this show um and they're really serious about changing their lives this can really make be the turn point for their life i mean um you know folks i would literally encourage you guys to to check out the book i will have the actual link uh, to the book uh in in, in the description of the show description of the show so go check it out uh you know, david i know you put a lot of time and and a lot of knowledge and a lot of real stuff in there to help people it's your legacy um i want you to sell a lot more copies and i want you to touch a lot more lives uh and you know uh, Thank you for coming on the podcast because I think the stuff that you're doing is yes, you are promoting you know uh, your concept and your mission here, but you know what? That's needed. Um, you know what you're doing is good work. I mean, there's a lot of promotion that we hear about all the time that that is irrelevant or has no value. This has core value, and and by the way, that's one of the missions for our station and, and channel is that 
you know, there's a lot of media out there and there's a lot of TV stuff and, but, but it's all news and no news, no good news. As we say, uh, there's, there's a lot of entertainment, but there's very hardly core stuff that is really, that can help convert and change people from the core, make them better. And this is literally a good example of where someone can actually get, you know, uh, a spark and then the rest of their life is, is much better. And I hope that actually over the years, uh, thousands of people, if not millions of people will be touched by your book and hopefully, you know, uh, make a whole turn to your point. Uh, I would say that the 8 billion on earth, they're all successful. <laughs> there is no such thing as a failure on this planet. Uh, there are people that just have challenges and, and, and those failures are just experiences that they, they are learning from. It's just one way to learn what not to do <laughs> as opposed to, you know, what happens. So if you look at it that way, you will always be a positive and it will be a success story. And go. again, success will change. So any, I know we've we exceeded the time, but you know what? It was just a deep talk, you know, and we, <laughs> we needed this. So, so any last, you know, words of wisdom that we would like to share with our audiences? Well, thank you, first of all. I mean, this has been a pleasure and I love I love the interaction and um, and the energy and the enthusiasm. And anybody listening out there, just, I guess, just know that wherever you're at on that line that we talked about, don't compare yourself. Just don't compare yourself. I have one of my learning or skill segments and it's called comparison is hell. Your life is unique. So take wherever it is, way up here or way down here, good for you either way, right? It doesn't matter again. And look at your trajectory. If you'll do that in a kind, self-kind, thoughtful way, little tiny steps every day, you will, I promise, influence your trajectory. If enough people will do this, we will change the world in a positive way. And that is a beautiful thing. I wish you well. Well, <laughs> with those words of wisdom, you know, we conclude today's show. Uh, David, it's been real. Uh, it's been a pleasure and honor. And, you know, uh, I just, you know, I'm going to apply some of the stuff myself. So, hey, I took my medicine today. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, and folks, you know, uh, thank you for watching, listening in. You know, hopefully this this, this show is definitely uh, very, very powerful for you. And, and you find it, you know, useful in your life. And uh, other than that, we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. And stay tuned. Bye for now.